Danny and thanks for tuning in to The Grown Up Hustle. This podcast is based on real people sharing all their different journeys as they navigate this crazy ride called adulting. From coffee o'clock to wine o'clock and all that happens in between, we're here to openly discuss how we're all just really hustling our way through life. So if you're ready for the highs, the lows and a whole lot of real talk, then stay tuned because we've got you covered. doing welcome back to this week's episode of the grown-up hustle so I just want to kick off the show first of all by saying a massive thank you to everyone that tuned in for the first drop last week I actually can't believe how many of you have listened from all over the world so thank you thank you thank you so much for your support it means heaps to me So today's show is going to be a two-parter and on the show today I've got Louise Johnson joining me. I'm from the gorgeous Vancouver in Canada. For any of the listeners who decide to follow Lou on Instagram after listening to the show just be prepared for some serious life envy because her weekly ski videos literally crush my soul. I am so jealous. It is crazy. So um, Lou is the writer behind the blog Divorce and dating at 30 and she's also the best-selling author of the incredible book Lou Who which honestly guys I cannot recommend more highly it is an absolutely awesome read. Uh, Lou's going to be chatting with us today about her backstory with the book and finding out that her then husband was cheating on her just two weeks after they got back from their honeymoon and all that followed with the breakdown of her marriage, the subsequent gaslighting that then happened and her move to Vancouver where she went on to rebuild an absolutely incredible life refound herself again and got back on that dating scene and even more incredibly all this happened before Lou even turned 30. So on that note welcome to the show today Lou it's great to have you on. Thanks for having me. Ah, well, it was great that you agreed to come on. I came across originally your Instagram handle for Divorced and Dating at 30, and that's kind of what grabbed my attention. And from there, I started reading the posts. And, you know, I follow a couple of these different um, sort of dating and Tinder joke accounts and, and so on and so forth. And, and yours just kind of really grabbed my attention. So I started reading these posts, and then that led on to your blog which was just absolute gold. And you know what it's like when you go down the rabbit hole of, oh, like, who's <laughs> writing all of this? And obviously it came across yes. that it was you. And I read your <laughs> book. And from reading your book, that immediately for me was like, I have to have a chat with this girl. I have to be able to share her story because it's, it's unreal. <laughs> and actually for everything you've been through at such a young age, to, to now and you're only in your 30s you know you it's like you've lived like three lifetimes <laughs> sometimes my wrinkles look like I've lived three lifetimes oh, yeah she's lying you guys can't <laughs> see her she's lying completely. <laughs> uh no thank you though yeah so if you want to like maybe for the the listeners take us back to the start of everything so they can kind of get a bit of a backstory as to where the book came about what the book's about and what your journey was about mostly yeah it's actually so funny that you said it's the story is almost unreal because when people were asking me if I was going to write it you know as as a true story and as a memoir and under my own name I was like I think if I tried to 
write it as fiction. People were like, this is not believable. Like, this is too ridiculous. It's too ludicrous. And so there was this part of me that was like, no, I think I really have to like fully own the whole story so that people know that I'm not making anything up. So, um, so where did it all begin? Yeah, it's a great question. So I'm originally from Edinburgh in Scotland, um, now residing in Vancouver, Canada. And yes, a lot has happened in between. So um, very short history of my childhood, born and raised in Edinburgh until I was seven. At seven, my family, because of my dad's job, moved to Egypt. We were supposed to go for two years, ended up there for seven. It was a wild ride. And I kind of feel like there's a whole book in that story as well, just of culture shocks and, and you know, growing up in, in the Middle East at that time. Um, so we were there until I was about 14, moved back to Scotland um, for my brother and I to finish school, essentially, and then spent the rest of my, I guess, childhood in Scotland in the middle of nowhere. My parents then divorced, uh, which I also address in the book uh, a little bit. And then um, I went to university in Edinburgh, uh, left university early because it was not for me, despite it just being the kind of path that I was thrown onto um and then had met this not even met I had this guy in my life who was a childhood friend our parents or our families actually met when we lived in Egypt and so when I was nine his parents moved to Egypt he was still in he went to boarding school in Scotland um but he would come out for holidays for school holidays and we would meet and you know our, our parents were just so close to the point where actually when we were leaving Egypt my dad and my brother moved back first because of my brother's schooling and my mom and I spent a couple of last months in Egypt and actually we moved in with this family we moved in with his parents and then when we moved back to to Scotland my ex's sisters lived with my mom at different times my ex lived with my mom at times we were just all incredibly incredibly close and he and I started dating when I was uh just before my 20th birthday so I was 19 and we'd sort of flirted for, you know, when we became teenagers, especially, there was always this kind of underlying sort of flirtation. And he was, you know, older than me. He was a little bit older, actually, than my older brother. And um, they were they were very good friends. And so we started dating when I was 19. And it was one of those really interesting times because everybody knew him. Like, he'd been in, in our lives. And, like, family friends knew him as just the boy that was just always with my family. You know, he was just always there. How did your family then take it when you started <laughs> dating? Because they did they see it coming or were they kind of like, well, what, what's going on here, you know? Yeah, no one had any clue. And he was actually, this this is terrible. He was actually living with my mom when we started dating. And I wasn't, I was, I was in a university flat. And he used to like say that he was going out to meet the boys. And my mom would like wave him off and be like, do you need dinner? And he'd be like, no, I'll be back later. And she's like, okay. Meanwhile, he's coming to see me. And so it was, we eventually kind of, that started in, it didn't take that long till we told people. Cause I think we did feel a little bit like we should, we, you know, we didn't really like hiding it so much. Um, and so I think there was like a, maybe two or three months and it was my uncle's 40th birthday, I think. So all the family were getting together and we were like, okay, we should probably, we should probably tell people. And I said, but you have to tell everyone. Like I can't, I just couldn't. I was like, I don't want anything to do with this. Thankfully it was really just my family because his family still lived abroad at the time. So I, he told my brother and my brother was a bit like, um, uh, okay, well, I just like don't let this mess anything up with us and we were like yeah no of course and then he told my mom and my mom was like like couldn't believe that he'd been like going out to see me all these nights and she's like I did think sometimes you looked a bit too good and you smelled a bit too good to be going to meet the boys 
And so, uh, and then he told my Nana and she was just, she, she was a bit confused. She was like, what? And he was like, well, I've got a new girlfriend. And he used to call her Nana. Like we they were so close. And he was like, yeah, I've got a new girlfriend, Nana. And she was like, well, who is it? And she, and he said, oh, it's, it, I think you might know her. It's your granddaughter. And she was like, what? Oh, 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 well, that's lovely. And so like, it was just, it was so nice. And everybody was very happy. And you know, it it was such a, almost a natural, like it just like made so much sense. You were already family. Yeah, completely. And so that was in like the the summer, my, yeah, my uncle's birthday is in, in the May. And so, um, so that was May. And I think we ended up going out, his family home at that point was in Portugal and we went out for Christmas to to Portugal and that was the first time I was seeing his parents as his girlfriend. And again, like, I, you know, so, so close to his parents, but going out there as his girlfriend was just, it, I was slightly terrified, which just made no sense. But what was really interesting was on our first night there, you know, we'd have these big family dinners and it was like a lot of wine and, and we'd all just, you know, use those dinners where you sit around the table for eight, for hours afterwards, you don't really move cause you're just chatting. And anyway, people sort of started to move and, and then it was just him and I and his father and his dad said to him, he's like so okay you two we need to talk about this we need to talk about the elephant in the room and I was like oh god he's gonna tell us I don't know why we couldn't be together and then he said you know and he it was speaking to his son he was like don't you fuck this up he was like you know what she's been through because by this point my parents had divorced and his family had been present throughout and were an incredible support to both my mom and my brother and I and like not just emotionally but you know, like they came up and helped us pack up our house and helped us move and all of these things. They were, they were really incredible friends. And so they'd seen what had happened when my dad left and, and he was like, don't you do to her? Cause my parents also, um, well, they had infidelity problems. And, uh, and so he was like, don't you, don't you fuck this up. He was like, you know what her dad did to her. Don't you do not ruin this. And then he said to me, he was like, and if you have any problems, just you come to me. And I was like, okay, that is not what I was expecting, but it was so lovely. And it was one of, and I think I say this in the book as well, when, when we got married, so we, we ended up getting married, I think five years later. So I was like 25. And when we got married, it was the, the one of the best things was that I got his dad as my father-in-law because he was just an incredible man and such a family man and just so loved his family so fiercely and I think I had obviously not really had that experience with my own father and so it was just it was it kind of came full circle a little bit and and yeah our you know families were so close when we got married you know it was kind of a breeze like planning the wedding because everybody was just so happy and everyone was just excited that we were going to be together again because you know everybody was kind of all over the place and so um you know, and one of his family friends actually said, this kind of older couple, they did say when we were planning the wedding, they were like, oh, it's all fun and games until something happens. And I know that, you know, they didn't, they weren't, maybe they were foreshadowing, but, you know, they, uh, it, it was true. You know, it, it was, it was just so much happiness and joy and it was lovely. It was this beautiful coming together of the families. And then, well, then it wasn't. And so, um, but our, our wedding was beautiful. We got married in um, sort of the Highlands of Scotland at this beautiful cathedral. Um, actually where we, so I say we met in Egypt, but we actually met for the very first time in Scotland at this hotel where my family had a holiday home. And, um, and I think we had always known we came back for the summer. They were in Scotland as well. We met there, but then I saw them out in Egypt a bunch of times as well after that. 
but that I think we just always knew when we started dating that was where we were going to get married so when we when we got engaged in Dublin which was another beautiful uh, weekend that we had there for a five-year dating anniversary he proposed he'd had a ring designed by a friend of mine from Egypt like it was a whole just you know storybook um was like fairy tale gorgeous amazing so excited and so um so we met at this hotel initially when I was nine and when we started dating I think we just always knew that if we were going to get married that was where we were going to get married there is literally this massive cathedral right at the bottom of the drive it's this beautiful country house hotel picturesque Scotland there was never really a question about it so as soon as we got engaged the question wasn't where are we going to get married it was when when are we going to book that cathedral and hotel for so um so yeah, we had this, you know, beautiful wedding and a bunch of my friends came over from Egypt. Um, there was uh, so many, uh, like their husbands, uh, my, my girlfriends from Scotland, their Egyptian husbands all rented kilts. They had the best time. <laughs> they were just like loving Scotland. Uh, they all got lost up a mountain one day. It was just like classic. And so, but we had friends flying from all over and it was just the most love-filled day, despite the weather being horrific and I mean Scottish weather and it was April so it wasn't you know you couldn't guarantee anything but we had rain we had sun we had um we had snow we had sleet storms um and the worst part of it was that we actually got married in the cathedral and then I had booked a little boat to take us up the river up to the hotel so I had joked with my ex that uh that oh we yeah we should get that boat up and he was like yeah we should do that and I was like I'm not getting in a boat in my wedding dress and my heels and like absolutely not but I had booked it as a surprise to him for, for the wedding day. So we got in this boat and went back up. Meanwhile, it was at that point shitting sleet. Like we were under umbrellas and I was like, this should have been so beautiful. And instead I'm freezing my ass off and I cannot feel my feet or my hands, but like, it's fine. Cause still the pictures looked quite nice. Um, so yeah, like I say, beautiful day. Um, everybody was very happy. It was very love filled. We went to Mexico for our honeymoon where I ended up in hospital uh, with gastroenteritis right at the last day. We were actually, we were in Mexico for 10 days and we were going to New York and I ended up in, in uh, hospital in Mexico with gastroenteritis the night before we were supposed to fly to New York. And it was, it was not good. He in that moment again was a phenomenal support, did everything that, you know, I could have needed dealt with all the insurance stuff, but we were there for like, I don't know, three, four days. I thought I was going to die in Mexico. It was not a good time. Um, so those are like the sort of things where now when I look back on like the weather on the wedding day, you know, ending up in hospital on honeymoon, you start to get a sense, <laughs> you start to get a sense that like maybe the world is telling me that something is off. And so, um, but you know, I was still living on, uh, you know, high life and, um, we come back to Scotland from honeymoon and there'd been some issues with my grandmother's health. And so we're kind of dealing with that. And I still wasn't fully well from, from being sick in Mexico. And all of a sudden, like the world just turned upside down. And on a random Friday night, I got home from work and he, he was making dinner and he picked a fight with me is the only way that I can explain it. And, uh, and and the next thing I knew, he was storming out the house, which is also quite unusual. We would argue, but you know, neither neither of us were prone to like storming out. Anyway, he left. How long after you'd returned from your honeymoon was this? So this was this was two weeks after the honeymoon, and so six weeks after our wedding, because we we'd gone back to work for like a week of bit, and then we went away. So yeah, six weeks after the wedding was this was this night. Um, 
it was the Friday night, so just under six weeks. And uh, and he yeah picked a fight, stormed out, and I was kind of actually glad that he left because I was like, what just happened? Like, I, did I just did, did I just imagine that? Like, it was so confusing to me. And so I was kind of like, you know, yeah, please leave and just like give me some space and and I just need to like figure this out. But I couldn't really figure it out. And we went to bed, really didn't think too much about it. And he came in in the uh, middle of the night, possibly the most drunk I've ever, ever seen him. Um, and I kind of helped him into bed, undressed him. And, uh, and you know, alcohol at that point, we both were, we were heavy drinkers. We drank a lot. Um you know, classic kind of binge drinkers, but would drink throughout the week as well. But this was like, this was kind of next level. Like I really hadn't seen him this drunk before, I didn't think. And so helped him into bed. And as I pulled off his jeans, his phone fell out of the pocket and never had thought about it before. And the thought had never entered my brain to ever even look at his phone or check his phone. But there was something, there was this like little women's intuition. <laughs> That's what I call that, the gut feeling. Me and my friend yep. literally say about this all the time. And her husband laughs. He's like, there's no such thing as gut feeling. And every time I see a post on social media, I tag her because it's always about women and their intuition and their gut feeling. And I'm not just talking about, you know, men being dogs or, or anything. Like, it's just in yeah. general in yeah. life, I think women are intuitive. And something, I don't know what it is. When you the know, you know. Power, but you just know. Yeah, something's telling you, yeah. like, look or whatever. Yeah. It, yes, exactly. Look at the phone. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, I think, like, in that moment, there was no sense of me being like, oh, I think he's been out and he's been cheating. That wasn't what it was. But this phone was literally staring up at me from the bedroom carpet. And I was like, why do I have this huge draw to look at it? Do you think that maybe it was because he had acted so... I mean, you had known him for years. This is, you know, it's not some guy that you'd known for a couple of years and married. Yeah. And because he had suddenly acted so extremely out of character from starting the fight to walking out to come home blind drunk, that could have been enough of that little voice in your head saying, I don't get it. What's going on? Do you really have an answer? It just, yeah, it just didn't add up at all. And I think that was it. And so then the phone was there and I thought, well, I guess at least it'll let me trace back where he'd been. It was just so strange. And so, Anyway, I opened that phone and I opened that can of worms and, you know, nothing would ever be the same again. And so six weeks after I had got married, I found out that I found out a lot of stuff, but I found out that he had cheated on me um, before we got married, while we were engaged. I found out that that night before and since we'd been married, he had been messaging people you know, and I say that because I, I think it's countless. Like I think it's, I, I still, I don't think I will ever know the extent to which he was, he was messaging people. And I don't know if I actually detail this in the book, but one of the people that I found out he had been messaging was actually a friend of his from university who he insisted sang at our wedding, insisted. And I was kind of like, yeah, I'm not really sure. And he was like, no, like I'd love her too. I just, you know, she's so good. And I was like, you know, okay, whatever. Like I, I'm not really that precious about it. Sure. And she sang at our wedding and like a number of weeks later, she's now sexting my husband. And I was just like, how, how? I, I'm sorry. That's, what now? That says a lot about the type of person that she is, but let's not <laughs> even go there. No, I know, wow. I know. And so, and that was the thing. And, 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 and in those moments, I am obviously, I mean, so many emotions, so, so many emotions. And since then, I've had those feelings of like those women knew. And one of the messages that I read was from this girl who turned out to be like a friend of his sister's. 
And, um, and she said to him at one point, didn't you just get married? And his response was, oh yeah, so I did. And I, that for me was like someone had just stabbed me right there, right in the heart. I was like, how can you be so callous? How can you be so unfeeling? We just got married. And at this point, you know, there had been, we didn't have our wedding photos back. We didn't even have our gifts from our gift list. We, so we hadn't sent thank you cards. And these, these like logistical things in my head are piling up, which is also ridiculous, but like, that's where my mind goes. I'm very rational. And I'm like, wait, oh my goodness. I, you know, I've just applied for my new passport, like all of these things. And, but then there's the emotional side of it that I'm like, how could he do this? Who is this person that I have known for now 16 years who I just married and intended to spend the rest of my life with and who knows the the trauma that I went through from my parents' divorce and my parents' infidelity or my father's infidelity, I should say. And um, how, like, you know, this just doesn't make sense. Was there ever, before you married him, ever any inkling, ever anything that that made you, I wouldn't say made you think twice because obviously you went on to marry him, but looking back, perhaps now, yeah. is there anything that you think, oh, actually that could have been a bit of a red flag, but maybe you overlooked it because you've known him for so long. Um, we I don't want know. to see, and because you were so young. A hundred percent. I think now would, would be a very different story. If I was to experience that, I think I would be a lot more uh, critical of the situation. Having said that, that is because I have the, the you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. So um, there's not anything I could point to and say, oh, I should have known from there. But when I look back, I do think, you know, we, I don't know that we were emotionally very supportive of each other is maybe something I would say. Um, <clears throat> I knew that he had a lot of issues from his childhood that we would sort of talk about, but never really attempt to resolve. And, and, and I mean, I had issues from my childhood as well. I was trying to resolve them. I was going to therapy, those sorts of things, but he wasn't necessarily taking those steps. And I think maybe that is something that I should have, of maybe tried to sort of push a little more and, and prioritize for our relationship purposes. Um, but again, you know, it, it just, I just didn't have the, the, the benefit of experience, I guess. Um, and also I, I, I would say that alcohol had played such a large part or was such a big part in a relationship that now when I think about it, I do think, and, and I'm not saying that whenever anyone gets drunk, they're, they're more prone to cheating, but I do think that that being such a huge part of it was just, there was nights where he didn't know where he'd been or, you know, you know, just didn't have recollection of things that had happened. Um, and so did I, by, by no means am I saying he was alone in that, but, um, and he was just very outgoing and flirtatious and, but, and I was, I, from my perspective, I was actually comfortable with that. That never really caused me any sense of concern. If that's how someone is, you can't change a person. You've just got to accept them. Exactly. And, and for me, I kind of look back now though, and I think, hmm, yeah, maybe that should have concerned me that mixed with the alcohol mixed with the child, you know, maybe, but just not excusing what he did because there are people who have all of those things in their life and do not go out and cheat on their wife or, or cheat on their fiance or whatever. So, um, yeah, it's, it, you know, I would love to, I'd love to say that, no, I had no clue whatsoever. I thought we were absolutely perfect. I didn't by any means. We absolutely had our issues, but there wasn't anything that really gave me serious concern 
for getting married to him. And actually before, and I, it's interesting that I actually asked him that question because actually a couple of months before we got married, we actually sat down and I said to him, if there is anything that you want to tell me, now is the time, right? Like let's just, everything on the table. And I think we ended up talking about actually family things as opposed to anything else. And that's really interesting to me. I've played that back in my head a lot where I'm like, I gave him a huge opportunity at that point to be like, hey, listen, I've actually fucked up, but I still, I, you know, but I'm, and I'm sorry. And I still want to marry you. And like, can we figure this out? But I need to tell you, and I need to get this off my chest. And what I actually think happened instead was he lived with that guilt and then that ate away in, inside of him. And, and this is just assumptions on my part, but and he then was, and I think he did have this, this, um, call it what you want. I don't know if I believe necessarily in sex addiction, but he had this need for constant, um, affirmation yet yeah, for constant reassurance, for constant attention. And, you know, I gave him that, but not in, in the levels now that he needed of like excitement and newness and shiny things and bright things. And so um, I just think that the mixture of those two things, I don't think that it ever would have made any difference anyway, if 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 we'd had that conversation or if he'd been honest, I'm, I'm not sure that it would have stopped it. So yeah, I find myself, you know, at six weeks being like, well, fuck, now, now what am I going to do? <laughs> And, and, you know, there's that point. I mean, there's like, so wait, do I just, do I get divorced now? Or like, how, what happens? And so. Have I been married for too long for an annulment? Exactly. Which are just not things by any means that you think that you're going to be thinking. Can you do? You're just so unbelievable. No, it was so unbelievable. And bearing in mind as well that, so, and and just to actually, I, I don't think I detail this in the book, but one of my absolute my, my oldest, closest, longest friend, her husband was actually in hospital. The two of them are the most unlucky in, in health people I've ever met. He was in hospital for, I can't even remember what, because it's just been so many things. She's by herself that night, that Friday night. And my husband knows this, my ex-husband knows this. And he messages her to be like, hey, do you want to go for a drink? And she thought he meant the three of us, because, you know, that would make sense. And I, so net the next day when this is all coming out and I actually, the first place I go and the first person I call is her and I go to her house and she's like, oh, that's weird. He texted me last night. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, he texted me asking if I wanted to go for a drink. And I was like, are you fucking serious? Wild, like just wild. And while her husband is in hospital, I was like, you are out of control. And so I'm at my best friends, we're talking about it and she's like, well, well, like oh my god and I had taken his phone at this point as well so this was I didn't get all of this information right away I had to work for it I was like messaging girls back pretending to be him um which which was crazy and just how eagerly they would start sexting or sending pictures or kind of confirming things that I was trying to figure out um and including actually the girl who confirmed that he'd slept with or they'd slept together before before we got married and so but it just kept coming. It was like all of these waves. Meanwhile, my mom is at, at the hospital because my Nana has been in hospital since my my wedding because she broke her hip the night before I got married. It was just like, a, a, like now I laugh about it. <laughs> Omens, it is all over the place. Your poor grandmother, bless her, like, went and tried to break her hip and broke it to try and stop you getting married. Just went through with that marriage. <laughs> it was, I, you couldn't, 
you couldn't write it. Like my grandmother literally was getting a hip replacement as we were saying our vows and all of my family are in the church and everyone's like checking their phones to me. So, I mean, you know, I la- I can only laugh now because it's been so long and because my Nana is now at rest with my grandfather, but geez, I mean, it was just really ridiculous. And so, um, so yeah, so my mom is at hosp- the hospital. So then I go to my aunt and uncles and, and I call my mom and I'm like, can you just, can you come to, you know, my uncles and she's like, okay. So she comes and I have to tell her. And that was the first time that I really had that feeling of like, oh, I've, I've fucked up. Like, you know, this is embarrassing. This is a failure on me that six weeks in my, my marriage is (laughs) capitulating entirely. And I, I don't know what to do. But it's awful that you're sat there thinking you have just found out that someone you've been friends with for years you've trusted, you've loved, you've married, has done the dirty on you and you're sat there blaming yourself. Yeah. Like, yeah. And and that is, it was that afternoon. And I still remember I was sat on my auntie's sofa and I just remember being like, I'm so embarrassed to tell my mom, like, I'm so embarrassed. And so, yeah, that is then just a long history of, of, uh, of, of feeling that way. So I move out, you know, because I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. So I move out. He, meanwhile, is trying to deny everything. And I'm like, but I have, you know, I'm ha- I have these texts. Like, I don't know why you're lying to me. I have, and this was still, we had a, we had a landline. So he's calling me from the landline when he finally comes back to life. And he's like, where are you? And I'm like, I'm out and I have your phone by the way. And he was like, okay. And I'm like, yeah, you sh- should be a little worried about that. And so he was like continuing to call me and I just didn't sort of speak to him for maybe 24 hours. Um, and really at the beginning, tried to d- deny it, um, tried to tell me that I, I got it wrong. But, you know, there's only so much you can get wrong. <laughs> there's only, you know, if you're kind of like, if you're kind of, if you're piecing things together and you're sort of, you know, like reading between the lines, sure, maybe you could get something a little off. This was like people telling me, black and white females being like, yeah, this happened. Okay, I'm so sorry. Wow, I didn't know you were his wife. But, you know, bullshit like that. And so, um, so I, I decided in that moment to take some time. Uh, and try and figure stuff out you know just be like okay how, what do I want to do what how how does this feel like and to be honest though I think it was more just I needed to just have have a moment to to let it settle with myself and figure out because I don't know that I ever actually doubted that I would go back I actually not sure that I even ever thought that because I think in my head I was like I cannot be the person whose marriage disintegrated after six weeks like I can't be that how do I recover from that what do you how do you even like it just it couldn't I couldn't I couldn't even formulate like what that looked like or how that would work out and so I went and lived with my mom for a few months um and then did you see him during those few months or a little bit yeah he I mean he tried to contact me every which way wanting to see me all the time and for the beginning I, I did take some space but he wasn't very good at giving me that and I think he knew I think his concern was that if he gave me too much space and I actually started to formulate that, what could it look like without him, then he would lose me. And I think he knew that if he kept me as close as possible, kept in my head, kept telling me he was sorry, kept telling me it would never happen again. Love bombed you. Exactly. It's a form of gaslighting, which we'll cover later, but he love bombed you. That's yeah, absolutely. And told me everything that I wanted to hear. And I actually remember another so I you know I didn't go to work for a while I needed to really kind of just take take some time off and um 
and I remember sitting back on my auntie's sofa actually because I'd gone down to sort of spend the day with her and and we were messaging back and forth and I said to him you know here's the thing for me now if we get back together I will never have children with you because having been the product of my parents marriage where there was infidelity there right from the beginning but there was also a child right from the beginning with my brother and I just was like I'd seen my mum push through that for 19 years to get her children you know grown and 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 sort of able to then deal with her not being with my father anymore and I just thought I don't want to do that I don't want to be stuck in that marriage I don't want to be somewhere that I that I don't feel loved or or secure or safe and that was kind of how I felt and so I, I just thought if I then had kids with him and then it happened again, I would have no one to blame but myself really at that point. And again, which isn't true, but that was a story I was telling myself. And so I, I very clearly was like, look, if you, if you absolutely want to have kids, then this is not the marriage for that because I won't have children with you any further, you know, anymore. Um, and it kind of, it was never something that was absolutely a priority for us. I guess we were still quite young anyway, but we were like, I think we figured at some point we would probably do it. And I was like, I will not, that will never happen now. And he said to me, no, you know, I want to be with you. I don't care whether we have kids or not. You are my priority. I cannot live without you. Okay. Went to therapy. Um, Me more than him, for sure. He came to maybe a couple of sessions and, um, and yeah, he wanted to make amends. It would never happen again. You know, all of that good stuff. And so I went back after a few months and it was hard. It was, you know, he was on tenterhooks. I was very uh detached still I couldn't fully kind of you know get comfortable it back in my house and and um you know your your brain is kind of going constantly and and you're questioning every time he says he's going somewhere or his phone beeps or you know you just you're just I was in my head so much um and initially you know one of the things that we had said was I could check his phone at whatever point I wanted and so I did frequently which now i think is just actually probably wasn't a very healthy way to go back but that was kind of how we we did it and amongst a a few other things but that was uh that was where we started and so that was the end of summer that I went back and by the March it was his 30th birthday we went out to Vegas with some family and friends and it was the first time like my mom and my auntie were both there and, and they said you know this is the first time you've seemed relaxed since it all happened like it seems like you've kind of turned a corner and I was like yeah I actually I think so too so I'd stopped checking his phone by that point, felt a lot better. Um, you know, it did feel like we had, we had had the, the, the break we had, you know, it splintered us entirely, but we'd kind of really, maybe not actually now when I think about it, we hadn't really mended the break and, and the real reason behind it, but we had patched it over beautifully and everybody was like, Oh, you just, you know, and, and I told, like, I told my best friends what had happened, like the girls who had been stood beside me six weeks before at the altar as my bridesmaid bridesmaids, I had them all come around to my mom's. And I was like, so by the way, I live here now. And, um, he cheated on me and they're all like, what? And so they had been like, just in a phenomenal, um, support network and friends and family were, were amazing but I think as well even on uh, and I don't want to speak for them but I think even they had difficulty imagining how we wouldn't be together you know especially because our families are so close like that's the other thing right we've got the family thing and so it's like how do you how do you then just be like yeah we're actually we're done now everything was so tightly interwoven and it was like I don't know how to get out of that it's difficult enough go through a breakup yeah. let alone going through 
breakup of a marriage potentially yeah. let alone go through the breakup of a marriage when you, you your whole worlds are just completely intertwined. yeah yeah um you know I mean we'd all spent Christmases it's just it was just it was so it was too much it was a little too much you know like when it's perfect it is so perfect at the time I was like oh I can deal with this maybe but now I'm like I was a child she was a child and I you know she's it was yeah it it was really it took so much of me to just be able to kind of function on a on a on a surface level and 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 I think I just was the only way that I was able to do it was just to fo- to to function on the surface level I think if I if I ever let myself start to get a little bit too deep in there and start to really sit into the feelings and like let them bubble up it was overwhelming. Um, and so for, for a while, it was just a matter of like, let's just forge on and time is a healer, right? Like that's what we tell ourselves. Um, meanwhile, it's in there festering. And so, um, we get to the next summer and, um, there's another instance that, that happens. And, um, like I say, I'd stopped checking his phone by that point. And I kind of detail this in the book, but I stopped checking his phone. Something happened that that for for very innocent reasons i decided to look at his phone because he was in the shower looked at his phone it was not something that you want to see on your husband's phone at like seven in the morning and so again all of it came up um he tried to deny it like denied it to the point where i was like do you think i am stupid like you know i like to think that i'm a fairly smart sensible rational level-headed person and i'm like you are actually treating me like not even a kid like not even kids are this stupid so I don't know why you think I would believe you but that was kind of always his default was like just in panic mode just lie just deny everything just deny that even your name is your name you know like absolutely just deny it and I'm like oh god and I just couldn't even deal with it at that point I you know I was actually dealing with a health issue myself and I was like nope I can't can't deal with this pulled the covers back on my head I was like go to work he went to work while I was at work I moved to my mom's. I'm like, mom, I'm back. And she's like, here you go again. And again, I'm like, I feel like a failure. Get your shit together. What are you doing? You've been married just over a year. And this is the second time you're moving to your mom's. Like, who are you? Like, what? This is not how you live your life. This is not who you are. This is not who you want to be. None of this was your doing either. Oh. No, and not my choosing by any means. But in the moment, I found it very difficult to not feel like it was, I, that I was partially responsible. There was always that feeling of like, <clears throat> because I, I had chosen to marry him. And at that point as well, the second time I had chosen to go back the first time. So you start to really like build this narrative of like, well, these are my choices. And so like, how, where do I take responsibility for that? And yeah, I'm still at this point, like 26. And so, you know, or 20, maybe I just turned 27 at that point. So again, leave for a few months. And that time, actually, I went back because, again, he was devastated, devastated, couldn't live without me, had made such a mistake, was so sorry, it would never happen again. He didn't know how it happened. You know, just all of this bullshit, essentially. And um, <clears throat> but one of the, the the other problems was at that point, that was just when the financial crisis had happened and the bottom had fallen out of the housing market and we had just bought our apartment or a few years earlier had bought an apartment and um and it was now in negative equity 
we also had a couple of credit cards. And so, you know, I mean, apart from the mortgage on the apartment, which was a fucking nightmare, but, you know, some credit card debt that was maybe a couple of thousand pounds. In my head, I was like, yeah, I was like, I, we, uh, how, how do we, so I'm going to get divorced and then I'm going to have debt. Like, no, you know, we, I need to go back. So we pay back the credit cards and then I might leave. Like just no, not sensible by any means from an emotional perspective, but from a logistical perspective, like I say, that is kind of how I operate. I, it was just like, yeah, I'm going to have to go back. I'm going to have to go back and figure out our financial situation before I leave, take care of my emotional health, my, my mental health. Like, and so I went back honestly the second time for nothing more than logistical reasons. And I think when I did that, or not, I think I know when I did that, I had really sealed my own fate in knowing that I had made a mistake. And I lived with that then for the next, like just over, yeah, it was about a year actually. So it was from one summer to the next summer. And again, I kind of went back. I think I knew. I think I knew that I don't. It wouldn't last. You were biding time. Yes, but I was like, I need to just get ourselves in a better situation for me to then be able to leave. I'd, or maybe that was just what I was telling myself. And maybe I actually, I don't know. That I hoped maybe it would change. I'm not sure. But I go back, and that weight of that decision was too much. It was, it was too much to ask of myself to put myself back in a situation where I no longer feel safe. I no longer feel secure. I no longer feel like there is any element of trust. And he, you know, in his own way, tried as much as he could to, to rebuild the trust and, you know, to make things right. And was, you know, just the most doting of husbands and outwardly and to our friends, it appeared like everything was great. And they were like, he really seems like he's so much better. Like he just, he seems so happy. And I was like, well, I'm glad he is. <laughs> Four elements of a narcissistic personality. They're yep. either overly charismatic or they are yes. hard to read. That's generally a narcissist. And it's amazing the front they can put on to everyone and to you. And yeah, yeah. you're all just completely fooled by this, this incredible human who's, you know, giving everything you want showing you everything called the love yeah and 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 the interesting thing about that was then I started to feel guilty because I was like oh my god but he is really trying like he's really trying and meanwhile I'm in my head being like I'm gonna kill myself I mean I got to that point I was I was wound up tighter than like I just it was it was so emotionally taxing to me and mentally taxing to be in that environment every single day. Like it was your, it's my life. I can't escape it. I'm there in the morning. I have to go home after work. I would dread it. He would be walking around the supermarket. I'd want to just choke him. I was like, please don't touch me. You know, it was, it got so bad. And all the time he's there being like, I'm just trying to make it right. You know, I'm just trying to, I know I did wrong. And I'm like, wow, maybe, yeah, okay. I'm a terrible person. Like I'm, you know, I'm now not dealing with this and like, I'm going to be the one that has to leave. And so but again, no one had any clue. And I think I had also been that, that sense of, like I said, the second time it was like, wow, this is embarrassing because I made the choice to go back the first time. And so with that in the back of my head, I was like, I'm just not going to tell anyone how bad I'm finding this. I'm just going to do what I need to do and forge ahead and something, I'll figure something out. And then that just got too much. And I think that's where like bottling stuff up is just not something I can do at all anymore. Um, hence why I've written a whole book about everything that's happened. Um, 
but there's that sense of uh it 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 was like a, a real prison for me and so I started having panic attacks I started having very very dark thoughts um there was a moment where just the recurring thought of like oh my god this could be my life forever it was like I would rather not be here like genuinely I just I can't deal with this how do you walk away from something that was that was my life right for for now you know we I'd been with him at that point for like seven years um I'd known him by that point for 17 years and so I I just couldn't picture how I did that or how I rebuilt and, and I loved him I still loved him but I think in that time, I definitely started to grieve the relationship. Like, I think I just knew that that was, it was, even if it continued for, for, you know, outward purposes, the actual, the the real parts of the relationship, which, which is the trust, which is the joy, which is the love, which is the support. None of that was there anymore. You'd already checked out. Women mentally check out and then they leave. Men leave and then they try and deal with all the emotional crap that follows. And they try and get you back. So by that point, you're devastated. Can't believe they left you. They're off living their best life. Three months later, you're looking fabulous. You know, your post-breakup diet's really kicked in. You've had your hair done. You've got a new wardrobe. You're out dating. And then he's on the phone crying. Actually, I made a mistake. I want you back. But it's definitely too late now, buddy. I've moved on. So... (laughs) And then realize that they hadn't checked out. Maybe they made a mistake. Yeah, yeah. It's so true because women, I think we do. We, we like, we're so connected to that emotional part. And I think, you know, I'm not saying that men don't try or that they, you know, they aren't as, as dedicated or committed by any means. That's not what I'm saying. But I just think as women, as, as family makers, I think it is in our, the very, you know, integral parts of our being where we feel like it is our responsibility to make those things work. You make your family work, you make your family successful, you make your marriage successful, you are the person that will hold that whole thing together. Meanwhile, the whole thing is a fucking shit show. And you're like, I don't want to hold this together anymore. Like there is nothing to hold together. The shit is literally seeping through my fingers. I cannot hold it together. And so, so yeah, I, I started to really check out, but also the issue with that was internally, mentally, I started to check out externally and, and on the surface of things to everyone else, we were very happy. So everyone was going to be like, I'm sorry, what happened? Did you not have anyone at that point that you were confiding in and saying, fuck, I can't, I can't actually do this. I'm trying and I'm trying and I'm putting this front on. But honestly, my marriage is going to shit and I don't know if I can do this. No, there, there wasn't. And it's not because I didn't have friends who, who loved me dearly. But a lot of my friends naturally had strong opinions about or had strong feelings, not necessarily opinions, but had definitely strong feelings about me going back the first time, definitely about me going back the second time. And there was also just, for example, with that friend that I mentioned, my oldest, longest, closest friend because of what happened with him messaging her and then obviously she told her husband who's lying in hospital being like I'm sorry did he try and crack on to you while I'm lying in hospital and his wife is at home like you know they're not gonna be like oh yeah we should all go out for dinner so you know (laughs) you're kind of like (laughs) little little awkward for the double dates after that and I had again because I was so desperate to like you know outwardly make everything appear okay I'd again tried to sort of paper over the cracks and was like look you know, let's just me, this is me doing this. I'm the one who's like been, been scorned, but I'm like, you know, let's just, can we just all play nice? Like, and, and just, can we forget about it? Like, it was, it's obviously very awkward for us all. And like, you know, we tried, but even that just was difficult. And I think because of that, 
you know, I just didn't feel like I wanted to burden again, not, you know, it shouldn't have ever felt like that, but I didn't want to burden my friend with this because, you know, she'd also, there was, it was, it was awkward for her. And, and I, so I just, I didn't really tell anyone. And I think, um, it was eventually one, one day I'd started having like daily panic attacks in the shower every morning before work, I would be having a complete mental breakdown. And one day I was like, I, I cannot do this anymore. And so I messaged my mom, we met for a coffee in the middle of the work day. And I just was like, here is how it is. And she was shocked. She was like, I cannot believe that I didn't even know. She was like, I, I, I just thought things were so much better. And I was like, no, I am losing my mind. And so she gave me some wonderful advice and she said, give it a certain amount of time, whatever that needs to look like. Um, you know, give it, whether that is two months, six months, a year, and, and just be very intentional about how you're feeling and how you, how much effort. And she's like, I'm not saying you're not putting in effort, but like, is it that you're just having a shitty bad day because of work? Or is it that you are mentally depleted because of your husband? And she's like, and if that is the case, then yeah, you know, I'm not telling you to stay by any means. She was like, but I just think if you do that and you know that you've done everything that you can, she said, then when you go, if you go, you know, you've, you know, that you have done what you could. And I think that was, that was from her perspective as well. That's exactly what she did with my father. She had the children. So then she stayed for the children, which I have my feelings about whether or not that's the right thing to do, but she made that decision and she saw that through to the end. My brother and I, my brother just left high school when my parents uh, separated. And, and for her, that was like, okay, now I can let this go because I've kind of done what I needed to do. I thank God I didn't have to wait for 19 years, but, um, but she, you know, she gave me that advice. And so this was in, again, it was like the summer, no, it must've been, must've been about the May actually. And I was like, okay, I'm going to give it six months. So it takes me to November. So if it's going to happen, it'll be before Christmas, before the new year, kind of all that sort of thing. And um, <clears throat> anyway, we get to like the July bearing in mind at this point, we haven't made it through a summer since we've been married. So the, we get married in April, things get fucked up in the May. We make it to the next year. Things get fucked up in the June. Next year, we're in July. And I'm like, maybe we'll see it through a summer. Maybe, but no. Um, and so July comes around and there is another incident, which again, I detail in the book. And, uh, and I was kind of like, well, I don't, you know, I think that might be, that might be my cue to just... <laughs> Um, but even then there was a part of me that was like, I need to know for sure. Like I need to absolutely know why I'm leaving this time. And there was like some sort of, it was like all digital traces of emails and, and chat conversations and browsing history. And I got very deep into the dark web of like trying to look into to browsing history and I just needed confirmation of what I thought I knew was correct. And so anyway, I spent one night and I had a conversation with him and I said, hey, listen, this is what I found. Do you want, again, do you want to tell me anything? Nope. Don't know what you're talking about. Don't even know who that email address is. And I'm like, well, that's weird because it's your, it's a nickname from when you were at school. Nope. Don't know. Don't know. An hour later, he finally accepts that, okay, yes, he does know what that is, uh, what that email address is, but he's not used it for years. And so tries to give me this like wild explanation as to what happened. And again, I detail it in the book. Everyone read the book. Honestly, the book is brilliant. And when you're reading it, you're screaming at the book because <laughs> you just get so fucking mad <laughs> at this, this nonsense that's coming out as if you just like, you, I, I feel like saying to the guy, do you, do you think I'm fucking stupid? Like, that's, that's how it makes you feel. But you're just, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And bearing in mind, I worked in tech at this point. So I'm a very tech savvy person. And I'm like, 
how do you think that I'm going to believe your explanation for how this email address came to be on my laptop? Like it was just so wild. And so anyway, I spent a night and, you know, and I did say to him, do you understand the significance that this may have for our marriage? He was like, yeah, but you're, you're absolutely crazy. You're fucking wrong. Like you're mental stormed out again, gaslighting 101. And, and I mean, I don't know if at that point I really did question myself because think I did know but there had been I mean since the very first time there was just gaslighting after gaslighting of me you know asking questions or you know checking things and and he would just always it was just always straight denial just not even like an acceptance of like fuck yeah okay I've done this and she's clearly caught me like let me just cop to it and then deal with a cop fallout it was like no I'm just gonna see how far I can push her by denying it and like what did he think I was gonna change my mind but it does, it does make you question yourself, even though I knew, even though that woman's instinct, even though that gut, gut intuition or sorry, woman's intuition, gut instinct is there. If someone that you love is telling you that you're crazy, that you're wrong, that you've got it wrong, that you, that you're making, you know, you're making a mistake in and ending your marriage. And you know, that wasn't, even then it wasn't something I took lightly to, to be saying like, this could end our marriage you know, and he's like, well, you're making a mistake. I'm like, fuck, what if I am? I mean, it didn't matter that like all the other stuff had happened. And so even if I chose to leave on a random Wednesday, I would have been entirely entitled to do so. I still was like, but what if I'm wrong about this? Thanks again, everyone, for tuning into this week's episode of the Grown Up Hustle podcast. Stay tuned for part two of Blue Story on the next drop. In part two, we go more into the effects of gaslighting and how a toxic relationship can have a huge effect on your mental health. Lou also shares with us life as an expat in Canada and some laughs when she was getting back on that dating scene. Subscribe now to the Grown Up Hustle podcast on whatever platform you're listening on to be first in line for the next drop. And give us a follow on Instagram, Insta handle, the Grown Up Hustle podcast to stay updated on up and coming shows. I hope you all have a great week and I'll catch you all soon.